Good morning, noon, or night, wherever and whenever you're listening. You're listening to The Shift. I'm your host. My name is Doug McKenty. This is episode 36 of The Shift. It's being recorded on May 24th, 2018. If you like what you're hearing, please think about becoming a patron. That's patreon.com backslash The Shift. Follow my news feed on Facebook at The Shift with Doug McKenty. Join the conversation on Twitter at McKenty. And for my archives and other information about the show, check out the website at theshiftnow.com. My guest on the program today is teacher, author, and deep state researcher Ilana Freeland. Though known for her Sub Rosa America series, a fictional journey into the world of the deep state and its occult underpinnings, Ilana has more recently achieved prominence as one of the truth movement's most accomplished researchers concerning the phenomenon of geoengineering and the associated chemtrails, which have become a prominent feature in skylines across the globe. She has recently published book two and a planned trilogy on the subject, yet has already revealed how the true agendas behind the practice of chemtrailing goes way beyond research into weather modification for the purposes of mitigating climate change, as mainstream sources suggest. Rather, Ilana describes chemtrailing as the manufacture of a medium through which energy can be moved and then utilized for a variety of military applications. In other words, she is describing the process of weaponizing the atmosphere of the entire planet. The first book, entitled Chemtrails, Harp, and Full-Spectrum Dominance of the Planet Earth, details how the Harp Project and many other electromagnetic field generators located around the globe have been constructed to harness and manipulate the power of the Earth itself in order to implement a planet-wide control grid capable of not only manipulating the weather, but all life forms tied into the planet's natural electromagnetic rhythms. The second book, Under an Ionized Sky, From Chemtrails to Space Fence Lockdown, Ilana describes with frightening precision the many ways electromagnetic forces can be used by the military for weather modification, communications, mass surveillance, and even the mind control of individuals or entire populations. The forthcoming third book will tie all of this together, revealing how the technology can be used to fulfill a transhumanist agenda by confining all life forms on the planet within this massive electromagnetic space fence. Thank you, Alana Freeland, for agreeing to this interview, and thank you for helping to make the shift. How are you doing today? Hi, Doug. Thanks for having me. That was quite a wonderful introduction, very accurate. Yeah, it was interesting when I first started reading uh, your work. It There was so much going on, and at first I, it was just like thrown into my face, and I so I, I spent a little bit of time really trying to piece it together to say, hey, wait a minute, you know what, can I can I get from A to B to C here and really figure out what's going on and slowly and as I got more into the book um, it became more and more clear to me how this all really falls together and, and unfortunately it frighteningly it makes sense <laughs> you know it makes a lot of sense what they're yeah. doing once you understand the technology and once you understand that they do have this ultimate agenda always about control so many of the interviews I do uh, it's all coming back to this this uh, common theme of how the elite or the military industrial complex or however you want to look at it is really seeking to control really everything on the planet. And this, um, you know, starting with this chemtrails and then going down this rabbit hole into what they're really doing behind it, this, this, um, this theme of control really comes out. It's like, wow, they really are going to use, you know, the electromagnetic forces of the planet and the electromagnetic forces within each and every life form on the planet, within the planet, that have evolved in concert with the planet's, you know, electromagnetic forces, 
um, they're going to use this to control everything. And it's like, wow, it's uh, it's really kind of hard to believe. It was mind blowing, but um, you've done a great job with your research. I actually spent some time looking into your sources because some of the claims seemed so far out and you know your sources are military manuals and patent applications and it's you know it's pretty hard to argue uh, with the work that you've done so i really appreciate it can you just describe um for my listeners you know how you got into this and what was the journey like as you got deeper into it well i had uh been doing research for years uh on a variety of things that had happened to America after Kennedy's assassination. Mm -hmm. uh, as you know, you mentioned my Sub Rosa America series. I I had done 10 years of research, and so I had, uh, I don't know, 50, 60, 70 files, one of which was on chemtrails, one of which was on HARP, uh, the high-frequency active auroral research project up in Gakona, Alaska. Uh, in 96, I believe, I read Nick Begich and Gene Manning's book, Angels Don't Play This Harp. Um, I went to hear Nick. He came to Seattle and talked. Um, I was able to speak to him after. And I, I, was, I was deep into that. But at that point, I did not know that the chemical trails and the ionospheric heaters were connected. That's how ignorant I was. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, uh, where are you going to go for this kind of information? I mean, Nick did a great job of uh, giving us much background material on the Gakona, Alaska uh, uh, installation, but it, it's much bigger than the Gakona, Alaska installation. So uh, when I moved uh, back from England, I was there a few years, uh, I moved uh, to Santa Fe where I had gone to grad school several years before. I liked the northern New Mexico um, red earth and, and bright, bright blue sky. And uh, as when I arrived there, uh, of course, the chemical trails were being laid, uh, and this would have been in the early 2000s. I became friends serendipitously, you know how that works in life, with uh, independent scientist Clifford Carnicum. Uh, I began to go to breakfast with him and his wife and friends, and Clifford and I would end up talking about the research he was doing uh, from the late 90s on. Uh, into what was falling from these chemical trails across the once azure blue skies of northern New Mexico. And I had a biology second major in college uh, or undergrad. And so I was fascinated by what Clifford was coming up with. Uh, at that time, he was collecting um, what's called the red wine test from people, and I was helping him to bring in candidates that would be willing to do that. Uh, I certainly did the red wine test where you put red wine in your mouth and slosh it around for five minutes and then spit it into a clean dish. Uh, and I was seeing uh, that fibers were definitely coming out uh, of me. Wow. And, uh, everybody else also had fibers, and these fibers were, um, were alive. Uh, so um, then we, he pulled some blood from us. I uh, watched uh, under his 300 power magnification. Uh, my blood, I saw this 
little creature sucking the iron out of my erythrocytes. Uh, it was a real uh, aha moment that, uh, I mean, I already knew that we all have uh, all, all sorts of parasites in us. Um, and that's, you know, that goes with having a body. But this was, this was something different because Clifford was um, analyzing it and uh, discovered, as I say in the first book, Chemtrails, Harp, and the Full-Spectrum Dominance of Planet Earth. I devote all of Chapter 8 to Clifford Carnicum's work to point out what Morgellons is, what he discovered, the five parts of it. It was genetically engineered, uh, probably used a bacteria, which is a very, uh, as you know, uh, a, a very uh, easy way to go for uh, anyone who's doing uh, genetic experiments. And, um, and so when I got back to the Northwest, uh, uh, not long after that, maybe a couple of years, I was asked by publisher Adam Parfrey at Farrell House if um, he wondered if I could write a book on chemtrails. I'd done some work for him uh, when I was living in England, and um, he was, I think, giving me a chance to publish on something that I knew something about. So I set to work uh, on that book. Uh, it took up to two years to write, and then it was published in 2014. Um, I was I read retained my friendship with Clifford and Carol and um, and furthered my knowledge of Morgellons. I, I highly recommend people go to carnicominstitute.org uh, in order to read uh, over, over 100 papers uh, with uh, many illustrations about the, uh, the Morgellons itself, uh, which Clifford renamed the cross-domain bacteria, which is uh, more exact. Um, so, okay, that's how I got into it. Uh, I, as I said to you, I didn't know that the chemtrails and the uh, and the ionosphere seems ridiculous now. Uh, but at that time, I, you know, where do you go for national security research? You have to go on the internet. And I was able to find many, many documents, as you see in uh, this latest book. Everything's in open source. Or, well, probably not everything, but a lot is in open source. And if you can take the time to research uh, and pull those documents forward and then compare and contrast uh, hearsay with uh, your own experience, with uh, essays um, written, I'm thinking right now of a, an amazing woman who probably is dead now because she was being severely targeted, uh, Carolyn Williams Pallet. Uh, she uh, was able to uh, help clarify to me how the technology worked. I, I have no idea how she thought it all through, mm. but uh, I came again and again to her research, her work. She was not a NASA engineer. She was not anyone to speak of, but she had done the work because she was infuriated by what was being done to her and others. Uh, and so she did the research. And that that is what this movement is full of, is, uh, is th probably thousands now of people who are researching. I, I, I consider it the true citizens movement mm -hmm. because we are all – uh, we all know enough now that this exists, and we want to know what impact it is habit, having on uh, on citizens, completely against the law, of course, but that's nothing new in the United States. 
uh, with the military that constantly uses its own citizens for experimentation. So I've gone much further. And now, as you uh, indicated to your listeners, I'm going into third book, which will be on synthetic biology and how it's being uh, used and exploited for a transhumanist future. Yeah, I mean, this is outrageous. And I'd like for you, maybe later in the interview, we'll get back into the Morgellons and how it's connected to the chemtrails as well, or the chemtrails as well. Um, <clears throat> like you're describing, you know, I was at this place even just before reading your book, and I kind of knew that there was this deeper thing going on with the atmospheric heaters, and I'd heard about the connection with HARP. But um, without really doing some, some research and some study, especially into this technology, it's really difficult to understand what's going on. And, and you know, it's like 90% of the world still don't even believe that what they're seeing is, is chemtrails up there. <laughs> you bring up this topic with the average person and they're still just like, oh, that's a contrail. It's totally normal. You can be like, what are you talking about? There's, you know, it's, a, it's crisscrossing lines. It's tic-tac-toe up in the sky. This isn't normal. Um, but people won't even believe what they actually can see with their own eyes, much less uh, making the stretch into the atmospheric heating and then again, into these other like nanoparticulates like Morgellons, like you're talking about, which is even yes. a, another level on top of this that it appears that they're perpetrating to us. It's so difficult to get accurate information. One of the things that I was thinking about reading this book, because so much of it seems so hard to believe, is I just put myself into the position of a person in 1940. If you told them that the government was working on this bomb that was willing, you know, capable of destroying entire cities with one bomb, they just think you were a crazy person, but this is the kind of stuff that they do. So what is it like to do this kind of research into the deep state because you are trying to uncover the secrets that the government is doing? I think so many people just try to block it out of their mind. Everybody knows that they're spending billions of dollars on this stuff, but then when you start to research into it and say, hey, it looks like this is what they're doing, people call you a conspiracy theorist. So how are you... How are you able to pierce that veil and get accurate information? And then is it frustrating for you to try to make it public and when people just are really almost have this wall of denial about listening to it? Oh, yes. I mean, I, I think of uh, the town I live in. I've, I've lived for the better part of 30 years in the town, in this town in the Pacific Northwest. And, um, I, you know, I was whining uh, the whole time after I got back that no one wants to talk to me here. No one wants to hear what I have to say. Mm -hmm. uh, so the loneliness is real. And that's not just for me, the writer. That's for a lot of people who's who are having troubles with their families, their marriages. I mean, once you know the truth, uh, yes, the truth sets you free, but, but it also alienates a lot of people who would prefer the status quo yeah. and would prefer not to know that now they're going to have to have take on another responsibility for knowing things. For me, the research um, really... I had a very good um, education uh, in the 50s and 60s as a child. Um, I had private schools. I had public schools. The education then was quite different than it is now. So I have a lot of compassion for people because the education in the United States has gone really down the tubes. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and ironically, the more information there is, the worse the education gets. There, There's there's this thing that happens to cultures that when they begin to disintegrate and they begin to 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 just sort of uh, 
collapse. Um, one of the first things that goes is the education. It has to. Uh, and so now we're being plugged in. We're being plugged into uh, a variety of electromagnetics. And this is part of the full spectrum dominance that they want. Full spectrum dominance is the name of a military doctrine. I didn't invent that. Right. Uh, and this means they want full dominance over the electromagnetic spectrum. And we, as human beings, yes, we have flesh and we have bodies and we have lives, we have uh, personalities, we have a lot of things. But we are basically resonant beings. And this is the problem. We resonate and all of life resonates on the planet with the Schumann resonance. At least this has been true for thousands, if not millions of years. So uh, now we have a technology that it has been so acutely developed, so quietly acutely developed, that uh, we are being plugged in. And I think back uh, to when the television came out. Uh, I was a child. I didn't have access to television all the time. I moved around a lot because of family problems. And, um, and so I was not conditioned uh, by the television like generations since then. And, and this programming of our minds and putting us in alpha wave when we're sitting in front of the TV uh, really weakens our will uh, to develop our beta thinking, our, our actual thinking, our actual uh, analytical and synthetical thinking. So uh, I, I had a great advantage. I have a great advantage over many younger people now because I was not programmed. I was not conditioned by television early on. I had, I was an only child. I amused myself. Uh, I had a great imagination. Uh, I, I, I simply had an entirely different life than is, uh, than is available to most people today because we are all plugged in. Mm -hmm. And and it's time that, and I think people are beginning to look at this, particularly since the 5G happened. Uh, I've been amazed by how much, how many articles and YouTubes and and traffic there is around 5G, 5G, 5G. Citizens groups have uh, formed. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen with that when they go out and they stop those trucks, because it sounds like Americans are for the for the first time in my recollection, uh, awakening in a much larger numbers around this 5G tech. And I'm, I'm thrilled because, as I say in the um, second book, Under an Eye and Eye Sky, I tend to think of the 5G because of the millimeter waves in it. I tend to think of it as a linchpin for the space fence. Mm -hmm. uh, this is the implement that will give them uh, total access total access to us uh, any way, shape, or form they want if they can get all those antennas up. And wherever they don't have the antennas up, sorry to take away people's hope, but they have those all those satellites that Elon Musk and others are jettisoning up there, the tiny ones, the CubeSats and all the rest, that they will use those so that they have total access to the entire earth. That is the plan. And I'm assuming that the plan will go forward because what they, and this is something I'm bringing out in my talks now, what they want is total control over the earth because we have entered a space age and it is not the one Kennedy uh, would have liked to have seen. 
in, in alliance with Russia. This one is weaponized, just as they're weaponizing the planet. And that was Dr. Rosalie Bertel, the great epidemiologist. She wrote a book about how planet Earth was being weaponized years before I wrote. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so we, w- they're wanting now to weaponize near-Earth orbit. That's the space fence. That's the ring forming around the planet from the nanometals that are spewing behind the, the launched rockets that go up into, uh, into near-Earth orbit and then come back down. So, so all of that, you think of that, think of that ring around the equator, and then recently they came out with an article of, wow, this is so wonderful, what a surprise. There's this uh, ULF, ultra-low frequency uh, barrier, formed around the Earth. Gee whiz, I wonder how that happened. So uh, between that and the infrastructure that really the uh, Space Fence book is primarily about, you have sandwiched between those, you you have full control if you plug all of life into it. And that's what's happening now. And that that took time for me to see as I read patents and patents and patents. I was fortunate enough to attract the attention of one of the original tower erectors of the HARP uh, tower and 240 other towers around the earth who worked for the uh, three-letter agency that will remain nameless, Billy Hayes, the famous HARP man. Uh, and Billy's body is riddled with tumors. Uh, but as soon as he heard me on Coast to Coast after the first book came out, he contacted me. And it has been Billy who has laid the breadcrumbs for me to follow all the way to understanding that the space fence that was at one time up and running as a, a very humble necklace of radar installations across the southern United States from coast to coast uh, under Reagan, uh, when Reagan was president and George H.W. Bush was vice president and Dick Cheney was secretary of defense, all the way from the SDI program that they initiated, the Strategic Defense Initiative, the Star Wars program, that space fence now has been resurrected in big time, big time uh, Hollywood lights, uh, because it, uh, they have the ionized atmosphere that they didn't have then. They had to table it. They had to put it black until they were able to do all the research through HARP to find a way to bring that ionized energy down from the ionosphere into our lower atmosphere for all the operations that they wanted the space fence to run. And that's that's how I see it and, and the way I present it in the book so people understand that this is a military uh, affair. And not once did I hear at the Paris uh, Climate Conference the word military. Not once do I ever hear it brought up. It's like the Manhattan Project, exactly like that, where you're not going to hear that term because it is national security. And this... You know, it would just be another military thing if it weren't so invasive to the biology right. of the entire life, uh, uh, the, the biosphere. And we are part of the biosphere. So that's why I've had enough anger and passion 
to now have put eight years into this, and it looks like you know it's going to be a few more. Yeah, when you uh, brought up the Schumann resonance in your book, that's when the light bulb came on to me to show this connection between what they can do with these electromagnetic waves and how they can actually affect like your body or human bodies, but really all life, because all life works in concert electromagnetically with the Schumann resonance of the planet. The planet has a pulse, our bodies have a pulse. And so they're learning how to tap into this for the purposes of control. Um, as you describe, and it, it, there really is this connection in this way for this sort of macro space fence that you describe to, as you say, be so invasive in our lives once they perfect this technology and roll out this 5G, then they're going to have the power to be able to start manipulating all kinds of things. And I think that, you know, the vast majority of people really need to wake up to this before we really find ourselves living in the kind of, you know, Orwellian nightmare that people seem to think that, you know, it isn't going to be a problem or they try to, you know, they try to live in de denial about the possibility. But if we don't fight for it, then it appears that that's going to be, you know, the result of this long term planning that these uh, this military industrial complex is really imposing on us. I'd like to I'd like to kind of come around full circle to some of these concepts later on. But I want to start a little bit more basic and get the technology out there so that in a way that people can understand, I think a lot of people still don't really know what the chemtrails are and what they're about. So can we just kind of start with when we see a chemtrail, what's going on with that? Um, you know, at best we hear, even you have to kind of do a little bit of research and then on the surface it's, oh, it's this solar radiation management and we're just doing it to mitigate climate change. But then of course you start to see the aluminum and the barium and the other things that are coming out of these things. And, and so just describe what that is and what the function of it is and then, how it can be used in terms of these harp arrays and these other uh, frequency modulators? I think uh, it's important for people to realize that um, what's being done in the atmosphere uh, has basically two components, chemicals and radio frequency microwaves. Now, um, between those two, if you have the right signature, of the chemicals that you would need in order to uh, impregnate, that, that's a good word, impregnate the uh, Earth's atmosphere with uh, certain chemical signatures that when activated by either the ions from the ionosphere that are constantly being primed in our atmosphere, by our ground level infrastructure. And that's really key to keeping, keeping it primed so that 24 seven, you can have any military or intelligence operation you want. Uh, so if you look back, you'll, you'll see that when the cell phones came out, that would be in the 90s, as I recall. Mm -hmm. uh, and we had also the computers. We had internet. So a lot of people were buying computers. And then the cell phone came out. So now we have two items that need a lot of wireless. I mean, we may not have had wireless at the beginning, but it was just a matter of time once the cell phone 
showed itself that we would have masses of wireless. And that, if you recall, we went from around the same time, maybe a little later, from analog to digital. And that was a huge one. I mean, people had to go out and buy new TVs, and people were bellyaching over that. But they were promised a better picture, and everything's going to just look great. And so we don't hear the belly aching anymore. And that's the same thing with the cell phone. So you, you have these, these implements, all of which, by the way, belong to the military before they belong to us, just as television did. Mm-hmm. Everything, every technology we've gotten that we're so enamored of, as for information, for for entertainment, for comfort, for uh, addiction, every one of them has come from the military. So let's be straight on that. All right. So so all these items are brought out at at certain junctures. They're not just oh invention. No, no. All inventions are controlled through the patent office. And the patent office is run by a terrible institution called CERCO, S-E-R-C-O. And if people don't know about CERCO, you need to do some research. Uh, This is a British organization, uh, and uh, all of our patent offices uh, are run by that, and maybe through the Navy or maybe through some other instrument of the American military. It doesn't really matter. Um, So they bring these out. The timing is perfect. Now uh, they've got the harp thing going. You know, the harp thing was going by the late 90s. They say that it really wasn't up and running till 2005 or something. That's ridiculous. It was up and running in the late 90s. Uh, and, uh, and so, you know, it's zapping the ionosphere, which is way up there above the stratosphere, above the mesosphere, all the way up. And, they're um, hitting it with microwaves uh, from phased array antennas. We did have ionosphere keters before HARP. It's not my our only one, but HARP had a tremendous amount of power mm-hmm. that we could be called on. It's called ERP. So they they were able to really hit the ionosphere, bubble it out, create a lot of activity in there by popping electrons off of the atoms, ionizing them. And then as these uh, ionized uh, electrons are coming down, uh, the, uh, the, the lines of force, magnetic force that are, you know, are, are everywhere. They're called, they're the Birkeland currents. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. down, 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 they're coming into our atmosphere. Now, all they need to worry about is keeping it all primed. And so this is where, in my opinion, the weather comes in. Because weather is, a lot of weather is an electrical event. And so by, uh, by being able to stimulate and steer, not just uh, what's coming down from the ionosphere, but the weather systems coming off, for example, of the South Pacific, they, they are able to uh, have electrical events, lightning events, uh, the tornadoes, wind events, uh, hurricanes, all of these are weather producers. They're, I'm sorry, they're energy producers. And so, so that's part of what 
weather is about, other than the fact that it's been a military wet dream for thousands of years to control the weather for battle uh, reasons. All right, so so uh, you you see how the ionosphere heaters are able to do that, but that's not all they do. This is Tesla technology. Right. I mean, ionosphere heaters are really weapons of great power. Uh, we have them all over the place now. They've gotten, uh, we have one, as you know, we have one in Arecibo uh, in um, Puerto Rico. We have, uh, there's the the one in Suma in Russia and ISCAT and ISCAT 3D in Norway and blah, blah, blah. But we have them uh, smaller and mobile now too. So I would say we have hundreds of them and they are necessary to the ground-based infrastructure of keeping that sandwiched activity between the upper atmosphere and earth so that we're all we're all kept plugged in and everything is under full spectrum dominance mm -hmm. that's kind of the imagination you need to keep so so uh, besides okay ionosphere heaters okay we've got radar radar installations everywhere i mean there's there's over 1300 american bases around the earth and they all have radar uh, they have, uh, they, they might have radomes. They look like big golf balls. Uh, uh, and, uh, certainly next rads, uh, next generation radi radar units. They look like big golf balls and they're across the whole country. They're usually near, uh, military bases and, uh, radio stations. So they have to do with communications. Uh, but what does communications mean? See, it's not just Hi, Jim. Uh, yeah, I'd like to order a tank. No, it's not. That's not the communications that the military is concerned with. This is this is satellite communication, and the satellites are our eyes, our eyes and ears, right? I mean, if you want to track someone or you want to know what's going on on the Earth, you need those satellites. And so, keeping the satellites safe is certainly one of the things that the Radar installations do, the space fence is responsible for, satellites are very key. But beyond the, the uh, ionosphere heaters, radar installations, NEXRADs uh, that uh, actually feed and steer storms across the continental United States, mm -hmm. uh, then you have, um, let's go to, let's talk about wind farms. Uh, wind farms are not what they seem, they are not green. Nothing green or alive ever grows around a wind farm because of the pulsing that uh, that w that wind farms are set to do. Also, uh, wind dies down. I mean, there's all sorts of um, minuses that have to do with green energy of wind farms. That's just that's just a bill of goods that's been sold to the public. Um, fracking wells, hydraulic fracturing uh, oil wells, they too are used for pulsing. Now, keep the pulsing uh, word in mind, okay? We're talking resonance here. We're talking pulsing frequencies uh, in the uh, infrastructure of, uh, of the grid, the so-called grid. The grid is not just uh, radio waves and microwaves uh, everywhere. It's also this all these this infrastructure that is laid out very carefully as you know 
uh, the Telecommunications Act of 1996 under Clinton, one of its uh, provisos was that communities have no power over where telecom corporations put the towers. Now, you know, people will go, well, what's that about? Gee whiz, you know, I, I thought it was all profit. No, it's about where those towers are for the calibration of the pulsing mechanism mm -hmm. of the earth infrastructure. And that's really important to understand. And it's going to be, this, I, I assume it's going to be the same thing with the 5Gs. And the 5Gs, uh, there might be an, uh, the ability to, uh, to sort of uh, cheat a little bit here and there when you're talking about um, latitude, longitude, which is really what uh, cell towers are about. Cell towers, Gwent towers, they're all, they're all on specific latitude, longitude, uh, X and Y coordinates. So um, th this, is, this is so specific to be able to calibrate an instrument of war that is indeed the entire planet and above the planet. Um, so then, uh, okay, so I did the fracturing wells. One thing Billy Hayes brought up that I want to stress is how strange it is that I, I mentioned the, the chemical uh, in the air, these, these chemical trails that are laid by the jets. Mm -hmm. Then there's the chemical trails of the sounding rockets that are going up. All of those chemical trails that have aluminum, barium, strontium, titanium, lithium, whatever, their signature correlates with the signature of what is drilled under wind the wind farms uh, or the, uh, the, the wind turbines and the fracturing wells. Wow. And the chemicals injected into those uh, into the earth right there is the same. Now, why would they care about that? You think, okay, the air I get, the air I get, because you've got the waves going through the air. Well, now we come to scalar technology. And scalar technology, which I am no expert on, but I do know that it goes through planet earth. These long, long, long waves go right through the earth. And if we're wondering about the volcanoes, like boom, 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 all around the planet recently, there've been many volcanic eruptions or volcanic activity. Yes, those ionospheric heaters, if they are acting in a scalar fashion, which would be what's called interferometry, where the beams from these uh, ionospheric heaters and possibly lasers they cross over the target area, and then that wave can be sent through the planet to uh, arise or be particularly powerful in that area. So this scalar technology, because it's going through the planet, because the, the, the physical planet is also weaponized with this scalar tech, uh, this this is why they're all calibrated to work together. And add to that the cell towers, the Gwen towers, um, and uh, what else do I have? Oh, I have, um, yes, the Navy ships and merchant ships off the coast that are laying ship tracks. Those ship tracks that are created by WUSACs, the wet surface air coolers uh, that are used also by 
uh, nuclear towers and industrial towers to feed storm systems, uh, and then using the electromagnetics of either uh, radio waves or, or microwaves to to steer and guide the storms, uh, create uh, tornadoes uh, by by uh, by um, quickening a toroidal system over Kansas or Oklahoma or whatever, or or somewhere where tornadoes never happen. I mean, we're all seeing news items now of weather that is occurring where people are saying mysterious, unknown, puzzling, you know, all of that. Uh, how people can think that that's global warming <laughs> right. uh, is, uh, is remarkable to me. Uh, but but then hardly anyone reads. Uh, and um, that's, uh, you know, other than sound bites. So, uh, you know, a lot of people are subject to uh, what what they're being conditioned to believe uh, because um, they don't have the ability to concentrate anymore. And we need to talk about the the nanoparticles of metal that are in us now, the heavy metals that we're breathing in from the chemical trails, because in those chemical trails is a very particular mix. Yes, I mentioned the, the chemical signature. Yes, that's, that's certainly true. And I mentioned aluminum, barium, strong. But, mm-hmm. but it's the nanoparticles that are are in the jets, in in the jet fuel, and if there is our supplementary systems, which I believe there are, supplementary systems of particular chemical mixes being dumped over particular geomagnetic areas or population centers, then all of those have as a matrix these nanoparticles. And the metallic, are, they're all highly conductive, which, of course, adds to the fact that our atmosphere is, is a battery, is, is an antenna. I mean, it literally is. And the heat that we're experiencing in the summers is so hot because of that aluminum content. Um, so um, all of that has to do with all the elements, fire, air, water, earth, uh, you know, uh, w- the Chinese would add wood. Um, all of these elements that are so ancient that are part and parcel of this, the beauty of nature, our, our great teacher, our great mother for many thousands of years and, and millions of years, uh, is it, her place is being usurped by a, an artifice, by a golem, by uh, a homunculus. Uh, uh, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I have such derision for what these uh, these psychopaths are attempting to do in the name of alchemy, in the name of chemistry, in the name right. of physics and plasma physics. I mean, there are some cool things they're doing too, but the price is going to be too great as usual. This is the problem. Yeah, I mean, the technology can obviously be used for good, but instead these people tend to weaponize it. One of the one word that just popped into my mind uh, as you were describing them is hubris. I mean, it's just frightening that they're, you know, like you said, maybe they should read a Greek tragedy or something because it's like, aren't you warned about this kind of experimentation? Um, because you don't really know, you know, what the end results are going to be. And these people are literally trying to affect the planet, and there's no way that they can have any idea what the outcome is going to be. 
One of the things, well, one of the things that you mentioned in your book, and just to try to kind of take, because you just said a whole mouthful, so let's try to kind of break it down. Um, so these these metal, <clears throat> excuse me, these metal particulates work almost like a, you know a copper wire, if you will, to help the the microwaves and the radio frequencies move through the atmosphere because pure air can't is not conductive. So they have to put these particulates in the atmosphere in order to allow for all of this to work. And that's the function of the chemtrailing. One thing that you mentioned was that the particulates that are created by uh, regular pollution will also work in this way. And in fact, I think at least some people have surmised that it's coal fly ash that they're actually using a lot of the time uh, in, in these chemtrails. So they take these particulates that and there wasn't, there literally wasn't enough pollution going on to right. create this battery that you were talking about. So they added more into the atmosphere. But then what you're saying is because this is a battery, they've put more of these pollutants in the world and then they're heating up the atmosphere and then they're blaming it on global warming. They're creating this mythology, if you will, about global warming as a cover story for all of this experimentation that they're doing because they know, as you say, with the aluminum and the other metallic particulates that they're spraying in the atmosphere, this is, and then they're actually literally energizing the air and the atmosphere and they're heating it up. I think the temperatures that you were talking about in the book was tens of thousands of degrees Fahrenheit. I mean, these things get really hot. So they're causing the warming and they know they're causing the warming. Then they use it as a cover story and then they even have the gall to come out when enough people complain about it and say, oh no, this is solar radiation management to combat the global warming caused by the pollution. <laughs> and yeah, the whole thing gets, gets really mind-boggling to realize that they are transforming the atmosphere into this battery, as you say. And, well, and, and, and there's a bit of truth in the SRM, uh, solar radiation mm -hmm. management, that now has some other new name that I can never remember. Uh, they change the name all the time. That's part of power structuring is you just keep changing the name right. and, you know, Sort of like the, the uh, what is that, the the three nuts that uh, half of the walnuts and, you know, you've got the pea under there somewhere. Right. So um, uh, in this case, uh, they have actually, I think, some of the albedo that they have created, uh, I think they, they really are uh, kind of caught. Uh, they, they may be using some of it uh, in areas to to calm things down. Mm -hmm. But uh, but I think what people don't realize, and um, I certainly didn't uh, before I, I uh, studied it and had a long talk with Billy Hayes, for example, um, the ship tracks, uh, when they're creating uh, this uh, water vapor from the seawater, transforming it into a, a vapor that they could then feed into the chemical trails that are coming down from the jets above and, and get a nice uh, weather system going there as they move it east and north. And, you know, and then they sh what they do to prevent California from having any moisture, because California is definitely an experiment uh, in a drought, uh, is they'll shoot a laser uh, up uh, to make a waveguide, uh, like a think of a tube going all along the coast from south to north, and then you know they'll suck that moisture system up 
to go north and then tack it on to uh, the, the jet stream that has a hump waiting over Vancouver Island north of me. So, uh, yes, you, you have the ship tracks that are definitely feeding this system, but but they're also creating clouds that can be used for communication. Right. I mean, if you if you can, you know, they talk about the cloud, right? The, yeah. the new <laughs> cloud. Well, well, yes, the cloud, and uh, and uh, all these clouds have many purposes. Now, some can be albedo because they have gone too far, particularly in certain geomagnetic areas. Now, remember, not all the Earth is the same. We all have we have a magnetic grid that we're all in, you know, and we talk about ley lines and and those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. uh, but um, but really, uh, each area is different. And and the reason I bring that up is one of the things that we documented in in the chem uh, the chemtrails movement was when um, a whistleblower working for the weather department of Oregon uh, contacted two or three activists and uh, told them that uh, lithium was being laid over the coastal towns of Oregon as an experiment. And he was concerned about them, about their health. And they were having health issues. They were having psychological uh, sort of space out uh, because, you know, lithium is used uh, for, uh, uh, what's the name of that, um, bio, the... Uh, Oh, I can't remember the name of the uh, where you're you're you you're, you have ups and you have downs For and you bipolar. have bipolar. Yeah, it's bipolar. So uh, so he was concerned about that, and um, and uh, one of the activists wrote a very good article about it and about um, him. He gave us a false name. He chose a name from early American history, which uh, you know often people do. Um, and I I. I was I thought a long time about Oregon because Oregon was also uh, an original target of the Russian woodpecker back in the 70s, uh, and they were they were pulsing Oregon, uh, and uh, one of the experiments that was run by the once the American military picked up that this was happening, uh, they formed their own experiment and to see if they could raise the suicide rate in Eugene. Nice. They did. Uh, so what is it about Oregon that's so attractive? Is it just that it's on the coast? Well, Washington's on the coast. Uh, so is is it the geomagnetics of the area? So I'm, I'm very interested in the geomagnetics of various places, and I, I've not been able to get any data. When you mentioned uh, coal fly ash, uh, you're talking about Marvin Herndon, who's a friend of mine. And Marvin has, um, has made a very good case that coal fly ash is definitely one of the particulates they're using. Uh, to uh, again, yes, impregnate the atmosphere with conductives and particulate matter. I mean, you need particulates also to make rain. Uh, you know, you can't have cloud formation without that. But what's what you're looking up at, and this is what so few people realize when we go back to my idea that there's two ingredients the chemicals and the radio frequency microwaves. Um, what you're seeing up, and I'm looking out my window here in the Northwest, those are not natural clouds. Those are plasma clouds. 
they're creating plasma, and plasma is the fourth state of matter. Now, I'm doing a lot of research on plasma for the synthetic biology book because this is one of their very big interests is plasma. And they're willing to have a lot of collateral damage here below in order to maintain a plasma chamber, which is now what our atmosphere is in part for them. They want to create plasma. Now, when you start reading about plasma, you realize 99.999% of the universe is made of plasma. We are made of plasma. All life forms are made of plasma. All matter probably comes from plasma. So if these uh, psychopaths uh, want to be as gods over the planet to have full spectrum dominance over all life forms here, is, Earth is in part the plasma emphasis on experimentation and, and it is very much. They're creating Birkeland currents up there. They're creating Alvin waves. Uh, they're creating, as you know, lightning that will go from the earth up into the sky. Unheard of before. Mm. So, so they're, they're very serious about studying plasma. And plasma physics was only discovered in, I think it was formed in 1930s. And it's a, it's a very big deal now at some of the top universities. All right. So, so the plasma, they're willing to uh, sort of have a generation or two suffer from the fallout of all this particulate matter that they need in the atmosphere to constantly trigger and uh, pulse for, in part, plasma experimentation, uh, which would lead me to think that they are interested in creating life forms from scratch, just as a god would. Wow. Just as this is part of, of, uh, of the full spectrum dominance over the planet and then over the solar system is my guess. They want to go into the solar system. Uh, the ring around the planet has something to do with Saturn. What, is it true or is it a myth that Saturn at one time was a, a live planet? And what was what were those rings around it? Were those its its communication system? Right. Were, were, are those rings an old CD-ROM that has lots of data in it from a species or human beings who lived on planet? You see what I mean? This is this is their thinking. They they think very big, and so um, while they're implanting these biologicals, because that's the other thing that's in the chemical trails, right? If, if Clifford Carnicum and others are right, and he was collecting all the data from his HEPA filter and from precipitation, and he was finding these, these entities known as Morgellons in, in the precipitation and, and, the, uh, and the fibers in the filter. So if, if they are implanting us with life forms that they themselves as gods have created genetically in a lab, they want to see what we, what what they do with the host. They want to see what, uh, what happens in us. So some of us are going to doctors. Uh, some of us are, are because we have lesions and, and we have these 
uh, red, blue, and black fibers poking out of them that when you get near a computer or, an, or a toaster oven, just go nuts hmm. because these these fibers, these morgellons, are definitely created to respond to electromagnetics. No question about that. And these these fibers are also able to make uh, networks and grids inside of us, uh, maybe even Elon Musk's neuron mesh. Maybe that's how these are the little builders that are coming in to do that. But I'm more and more convinced, like I don't have any outbreaks or anything. That is not to say that I don't have them in me because I saw them. I saw them in me. Uh, so, uh, you know, we hypothesize that everybody has them in them because the atmosphere is a huge bubble, right? So we've all breathed this air. Uh, and uh, even the rich and the famous and the powerful, they have all breathed the same air, but they have the antidotes. I mean, they always do. They mm -hmm. did for AIDS. Their children didn't suffer from AIDS. So, uh, so I assume they have great filter systems. They're building underground. Uh, it's all going very well for them as they are so dedicated to their dream of, uh, of uh, acquisition of power over the entire planet as gods. Uh, so I, I, I really think that um, we have these in us, and now with the 5G and with everything built up around us, all my electromagnetics, here's my computer, there's my printer, I have 60 hertz in the walls. Um, some people have a great number of devices around them, certainly their cell phone. I don't own one. I, I won't own one. Yeah. Uh, I have a little paltry landline, uh, uh, but the cell phones are pulsing uh, people all the time. They're not aware of it because they're so intimate with this cell phone. And if there's mind control going on on that level, which I believe there is, it's being pulsed. Uh, you can stack many frequencies on just a pulse. You can you can get a lot of stuff in uh, very easily. So uh, people will be mind controlled and, and uh, maybe turn into a slave class and they won't even notice. Meanwhile, we've got the little Margellans guys in here. And they're all just, you know, waiting to hear their master's voice uh, and um, and that we are being um, triggered remotely. Why not? That makes sense to me. Uh, uh, so the electro optics of this technology is what I plan to go into in the third book to understand how how this is being done. Uh, from a layman's perspective, admittedly, but um, so that we can develop a picture in our minds of how this assault is happening. Because if we can have a, a mental picture, we can develop consciousness of how to defend ourselves and how to uh, take uh, into account our lifestyle and everything that we have assumed uh, our leaders would allow us as as paltry human beings uh, we can we can then make that consciousness that acts to me and I, I believe it's true of myself maybe I'm wrong but I believe it is true that I have developed consciousness through my studies of Rudolf Steiner and uh, various ways I have chosen to live. I, ch I studied Chinese medicine for years. I only use Chinese medicine for my health, et cetera. So I, I have made a conscious immune system that is spiritual in nature in the sense that 
it's actually scalar. Uh, you know, that, that people think of their thoughts. They're not physical. They're scalar. So, so I have a presence on the scalar level where I have my immune system built up of consciousness. And then I have my physical immune system, which I try to take very good care of so that I can call upon it to help me in this assault. And this is what I'm sharing with people. I'm not one of the activists, and there are some of us who are, who believe that legislature will help us, um, laws will help us, uh, court cases will help us. I, I personally do not believe that is true. I believe it's all been pretty tainted. But all I, I know my job is to prepare people uh, with a good mental picture of how this system of assault works so that they can create the kind of consciousness that will act as a, as a bulwark, as a, as a breastplate, an armor. Uh, a, an immune system uh, that will protect them so that they can have their personal life on earth, even in a time like this, where everything is, is just sort of going catapulting forward. Artificial intelligence is, is controlling many of our systems. Now we encounter artificial intelligence every day. Nobody seems to notice. Uh, and, and we need to really understand how it works and then we can defend ourselves. Yeah, I mean, it seems like the end game is actually, you, you discuss a little bit like with the uh, the new quantum computing systems, these super fast computers that they're coming out with, and, and then artificial intelligence, and then they're implanting this nanotechnology through the chemtrails, as well as these other, um, these other chemicals that help to allow this, these radio frequencies and these microwave frequencies to be used through us and on us. Uh, yes. And the things like the Morgellons, maybe what they're trying to do seems to be actually creating uh, an entire network of humanity where then this space fence, as you call it, through uh, a supercomputer can actually be controlling the mass of humanity as if one word that you mentioned in the book a couple of times is, is hive, hive mind, hive technology. Yes. And it yes. really kind of like that term really got me. You talk about how the nanotech, some of the nanotech that they're spraying in the chemtrails can all work together as a swarm, but then this stuff gets inside of us. And is this the end game where they're trying to sort of turn us into these robots that can then be totally controlled through this entire, you know, network of, of artificial intelligence so that then we become one hive mind that can all work in concert with whatever they want us to do. You know, we basically essentially lose the concept of free will. We can't make choices for ourselves. And the concept of hu human being. Mm -hmm. um, yes, I, I do. I, I mean, it sounds insane. It sounds like, uh, like I'm talking about some terrible science fiction book that yeah. you know, is importing this awful idea. But I, I personally feel this is what they're up to. Um, they see the human being as it is now, as uh, and when I say they, people want to know who I mean by they. Uh, my picture is the global elite, uh, bloodlines, all the things that have been made fun of as a conspiracy theory, probably uh, is is part of this um, this sort of structure, this this sort of uh, dynastic uh, power structure that has been able to sort of move. Uh, forward through the generations, 
uh, we, yes, you know, 1789, we got rid of the kings in a way. Uh, but now we have corporations, so you know, uh, mm-hmm. who are are with kings in them. So, uh, so, so you have these these so-called people who uh, are are bartering uh, with uh, forces, uh, and I'm I'm certainly no expert on those uh, those dark forces that they barter with. We've seen some of the Satanism thing come out lately with the Pizzagate and uh, and uh, and the terrible uh, human trafficking of children uh, for uh, for for many terrible purposes. Um, all of this needs to be taken into account. We can't just be the decent human beings that we've all been conditioned to be and turn our our gaze away from things that just sound insane. Because um, the the people who broker these power deals to control the planet are are not friends of humanity. They do not like human beings. They like to be more than human beings. They're drinking adrenochrome from uh, from. Uh, children and people who are in in, in terror uh, they are uh, getting tra- blood transfusions from small children um, they, they do not live as we do uh, and that's where the the uh, ideas have arisen that they're a reptilian race that they're this the, uh, that whatever uh, they are not friends of humanity and I love humanity I, I yes there are human beings that seem to be wasting their lives away uh, in they get caught in, in various appetites and, and they they don't seem to have any any uh, chutzpah for doing something great while they're here. But I want them to have the choice to just waste their life. That's their choice. I want them to have that. I do not want to be an automaton. I do not want to belong to uh, a uh, a quantum um, adiabatic computer like D-Wave, uh, I, I don't want to be run by uh, by supercomputer supercomputing programs like Palantir. I I, I don't I, I resent that free will, such as it is. Yes, very few people really use it well. It it took me half my life, I assume, uh, in order to to be able to use my free will uh, with with power and with authority and discipline. Yes, it took half a life, but I'm there now and and i'm I'm on the trail. and I want other people to have that opportunity. i I refuse to go down, you know, as I say at some talks and people really uh, become very emotional over this is my watch. and i I'm on my watch. And and it's it's really all of us should be on our watch because this has gone way too far. People were way too involved with themselves and uh, their personal lifestyles. You know the American the American dream, such as it is, for too long, and now we're faced with uh, with a tremendous challenge. Uh, so so be it. Americans tend to be the best. When things are the worst, I have noticed that maybe that's why Americans let things go so long. So I have not given up my hope 
uh, of Americans. But but that's how I feel about the computers. And remember, in the chapter on the D-wave, uh, the adiabatic uh, quantum computer, which is a very different creature from a supercomputer, by the way, um, remember at CERN, they seem to be opening doors and inviting entities in. And if there are parallel dimensions, which I believe there are, I believe quantum theory is right, mm -hmm. uh, why not? Why not invite them in? Maybe that's what the whole plasma atmosphere is for, something more friendly for them. I mean, let, let's think far and, and at the same time really have our facts in order about how the technology works so that when things come up, we can apply those to it and not be taken for a ride or be put to sleep uh, worse. Uh, so, um, you know, that's, that, that's sort of my role. I, I'm, I'm here for, for, to inform the public to the best of my ability uh, and, and to, to uh, really, with a clarion call, to awaken at least to this. Uh, if not everything else, <laughs> there's a lot of things to awaken to. Well, I think, you know, you talk about the culture and, and in this culture, it's been so long. I mean, it's been generations now that we've had the television, that we've had commercials and commercialism. Uh, and these, these this elite class has had generations to work on this methodology of control and so I don't think a lot of people have really learned how to use, like you're describing, how to use their free will. Um, it's been almost squeezed out of us so that we don't know how to be critical thinkers, independent individuals, that we're already kind of working in this robotic type slave state, this mentality where we don't realize what real freedom is and the importance of making choices. I mean, some of the stuff that we're talking about, it does seem... Like, it's very far out, but then I think that every other culture in the history of the world, besides us, and sometimes I actually have the feeling that the elite, as well as every other culture in the world, have always known that there's multidimensional reality, that yes. there are spirits on the other side, that they can be contacted. Um, ancient cultures knew about this scalar technology and used the ley lines and did ceremonies in different parts where the energies were different and they learned how to use this stuff. So when people are listening to this and they think that it sounds insane, remember that it's only the lower classes in this culture that think that sounds insane. It's not, you know, every everybody else knows that this is how the world has always worked, right? Exactly. And and what we're learning from this uh, is that we are resonant beings. I mean, if mm. there's anything that makes developing free will here difficult in an electromagnetic era such as we are now in and plugged into, I might add, it is our own resonance. So that resonance, there's a there's a wonderful film I highly recommend. You've probably seen it. I've seen it a few times. It's on them. It's free on the net. It's called uh, Resonance: Beings of Frequency, and it is about us. It is about taking into account that we are very vulnerable. I mean, it's that very resonance that allows us to pick up so much. Of, of our learning experience here and allows us to have 
extraordinary experiences of perhaps other realms. I mean, that frequency mm -hmm. is, is really, that resonance is really our friend, but now our enemies know about our resonance. And so they're going to use their, uh, their big guns and, and their big guns are invisible. It isn't like you can see that. You can't see it coming. Mm -hmm. It simply comes. And so that's what we want to train ourselves in. We're like, we're like the blind uh, samurai uh, in one of the Kurosawa right. films. Uh, we can't see, but we've got our chopsticks ready. We can grab that fly before it gets on our rice. I mean, you know, if, if we're truly resonant, we can we can see on multiple levels, but we're going to have to simplify our lifestyle. Mm -hmm. uh, at least I think so. You, I can't do very many things well, and so I'm I'm really uh, quite a stentorian about. All right, I've got I'm doing four things. That's one too many. All right, something has to go here. Yeah. So I can stay warrior like, right? Poised, ready for what's coming on an invisible scale. Uh, and and think broadly and think deeply about uh, what what the meaning here is. I mean, you know, people say, "Oh, I this is a terrible age. I, I got off at the wrong planet." No, no, you probably didn't. Uh, this is probably exactly what you chose. It's not easy, but neither was living in the fourteen and thirteen hundreds under the Inquisition coming to. Uh, to your door and yeah. ready to boil you in a vat of oil. So every era has something that we're going to have to contend with because that's the way this planet is. Uh, and I, I, um, I completely accept that. And I, I just want to keep my skills, my skill set and my strength and my resolve uh, in, in alignment. Uh, so that has to do with one's lifestyle. And that, that's often the hardest thing for people is to consider changing this, uh, this American lifestyle that somehow people think that is God-given, uh, where you've got a house, you've got a dog, you've got you know, your family, you've got all this stuff, taking care of all this stuff, you want to buy more stuff, you want to make more money so you can buy more stuff. Well, maybe that's over. And maybe we need to really take a good look at that and what – how we were conditioned to think that's life. Yeah, that, that's how I look at it. Yeah. Well, there's no question that the only solution to all of this is to not, I mean, we got to wake up to the nature of reality and then individuals have to, as you're talking about, take on this warrior spirit. I mean, we as individuals have the power to stand up against this, but not if our minds are clouded and we're not focused, um, as you're talking about, on this, on this invisible enemy. I mean, this is some kind of, I mean, this worldview is even so far outside. And it, it, I guess it's interesting for me because I've been kind of working on this theory that we're touching upon, which is that the elite know and that these secret societies, they have the knowledge of the ancient alchemy. They understand that this stuff is really real. And one of the ways in order to, I mean, just like you were talking about actually with the patent office and the way the military has been able to control the technology by creating this little funnel of the patent office and they... You apply for a patent and they say, oh, this one's going to the military and it's classified. And then the rest of humanity is not allowed to actually benefit from that information because it's like knowledge is power. And it so is. and so the elite have always recognized this and they're and they're keeping the knowledge of the technology 
of the material technology from us, but also this alchemical technology. Like, I mean, I, as you, you've done Chinese medicine, I do Tai Chi. So I have a, you know, I have mm. a sense of an understanding of at least the Chinese yes. methodology and, and some other, you know, some, some other cultures and the ways that they've cultivated this energy. Cause they all, again, they all know that this energy is a part of us too. And yes. it's being weaponized against us. And the elite are hoarding this knowledge because they don't want us to know how to cultivate the energy for ourselves. But if we do, then yes. we can transcend, you know, their their power over us. <laughs> but it does take a lot of effort, especially in this culture, which has been so conditioned to uh, overpower that sense. I mean, it's designed to overpower that sense of individuality. They don't want us to be strong people because then we would be a challenge to them. So, yes. you know, I almost see it as like, I've been more and more thinking about this as like the Hindu caste system. Like we, they keep most of <laughs> yes. us on the lower caste and they yes. give us this public education, which is, I've even read in part modeled on the lower caste education model from the, from the Hindu system. And they keep us ignorant on purpose because if we knew how to cultivate this energy, um, then we could become stronger and out of their control, you know, capable of having our own free will and making choices for ourselves and maybe even, you know, combating what they're, what they're trying to create here with their arrogance and their hubris. And, you know, as you've described it as psychopathy, which, you know, their attempt to be, to transcend their humanity and become godlike, which is always a mistake. <laughs> I mean, a right. Mistake. That's a bad idea, guys. You got to stop doing this. <laughs> Haven't you read history? Yeah. Don't you remember Atlantis? <laughs> I know, right? Oh man. Well, um, you know, we still have a little bit of time left, I think, and I still, and I want to get into then the science of this, because we've kind of talked about it a lot, but one of the things that has started to, um, like, what I've realized, because a lot of this stuff does seem to be so hard to believe, that, but, but now, because we have cell phones, people can see that information can be transferred wirelessly, and it started, I started to recognize that the human body acts like a cell phone, like we have this technology organically created inside of us and we transmit this information and we get information from the planet through these scalar waves. It's actually a part of our body, just like it's in the cell phones and in the wireless technology. Um, and, and once I made that realization, I mean, things like even like where do dreams come from or where, what is the origin of consciousness? Well, if we're transmitter, if we're transceivers ourselves, the information could be coming from the sun or from the center of the galaxy. These are energy transmitters and we're getting it into our, through our own electromagnetic systems. And we're, we have awareness then we have that consciousness. You know, a lot of us are kind of stuck on this level where we just use language and we read books, but we have this whole consciousness way of raising our awareness um, by cultivating this energy in the form of Tai Chi or in, in ceremonial forms or using this alchemy that other cultures have considered you know, as the best ways to grow their knowledge and their power base. Um, but can we, can we get into like how, what's, well, and the other thing that you mentioned then was how the elite have almost moved from nuclear technology to plasma technology. So it's, I guess, like, where is all of this going into this world of this other kind of technology that they're now through the heart program and through all of this electromagnetism that they're taking advantage of to try to control us, um, you know what that comes, there is a lineage of 
of science that we by and large are not aware of. And that includes the scalar technology, the plasma, the ether. You had the, the chapter on that in the second book. Um, you know, people are calling it the electric universe now where, where the universe is more electric and not, and not gravitational. Um, and all of the physics that we get taught, again, I, I question if this isn't just taught to the lower caste, that we're taught this right. very materialistic physics so that we don't really know that the world is created out of energy, <laughs> the, an energy that we can actually tap into. Um, so will, will you describe that physics for us so that, you know, maybe people can understand more easily how our bodies are connected in the same way to, to the database, you know, in the same way that the cell phone is connected and how the elite then are trying to co-opt this natural system. Well, yes. Uh, let's, let's not leave, let, let's go into ether a little bit because okay. um, there's a, a, a misapprehension, even with electric universe. And I, I really love the electric universe stuff, mm -hmm. um, but it's not perfect. Um the ether, let's go back to plasma, the fourth state of matter, is 99.999% of the universe. So um, it's out in space. Uh, when a planet forms or an asteroid forms, uh, there's an electromagnetic event that, uh, that turns uh, this uh, ether uh, into plasma. Ether is, uh, is a life force, mm -hmm. and uh, when they use the term in science, which is, they're still using, uh, dark matter, I, I believe they're, they're either talking about ether or they're talking about dark plasma, and uh, does it matter? Well, it matters, because ether is life. We all have an ether body. I think I, I talked about Rudolf Steiner's four categories, uh, the warmth ether, uh, there are four of them, the light ether, etc. Um, these are not just concepts. These are not just uh, esoteric concepts that are from ancient Hindu right. or Vedic lore. These, these are actual concepts attached to uh, physical realities because ether is physical, but again, we can't see it. Um, so the life force in us is ether, not electromagnetics. Can I just say real quick that that's actually been one of the biggest challenges in my Tai Chi practice, even as I, I mean, I do this stuff and I still like, it's hard for me to believe that it's actually a tool. Like you want it to be some kind of esoteric concept or something. We're so used to using our minds, but it's actually a stuff that, that is that is a tool that you can use. But yet, yet without the concept, you can't bring it into your consciousness. Sure. See, that's the kind of being we are. Right. We're, we're not beings here to sit and watch TV. We're right. not <laughs> beings uh, to uh, simply have a lot of emotions and to say, "I love my family." Uh, we are we are thinking beings. We are conscious beings, who um, who in a way love the world by uh, by caring enough to pay close attention to it and to to seek its concept so that we can know it more intimately. This this is what I learned from Rudolf Steiner, and this is this is what completely dominates me as a thinking being. All right, so 
<clears throat> so I want to make clear that ether is one thing and electromagnetics is another. Mm. Ether is life-giving. Electromagnetics is death-giving. Electromagnetics is not what our bodies uh, will thrive with. Electromagnetics um, uh, weaken us as life beings. But we need it. We need it because we need to make these nervous system connections so that we can know things here. So we're a very strange creature mm -hmm. in that we absolutely have to have etheric uh, life, vital, uh, what Wilhelm Reich chose to call orgone. Uh, we need that orgone. We need that ether for life. And at the same time, we need that electromagnetic um, uh, force that is sort of uh, uh, dangerous, but can help us to uh, make nervous system connections. The nervous system is the only system in us that can't be regenerated. It's dying in a way. It's dying as soon as we're born. Um, so, so we're 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 very complex beings. And and the reason I bring this up is to understand that by electromagnetically uh, inundating the entire environment, uh, just look at what's happening to the trees, folks. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know what that is? It's not. Yeah, we can say okay, it's aluminum oxide, and the aluminum is destroy is is uh, making the soil alkaline, and the trees are dying. But it's it's more than that. It's the life force because trees are absolutely dependent upon their etheric. Unlike us, we have etheric, but we have we have more subtle bodies. We have more uh, more tools, as you said. So mm -hmm. so the trees are are the canary in the coal mine, <laughs> very big canary, because the trees, uh, the forests in California are dying. Uh, on mass. Um, so to me, this is an assault. This is an electromagnetic assault, not just on the earth, but on the ether, on the, on the life force of the planet. Mm -hmm. And that includes our life force. And that includes everybody's, uh, animals life force and it includes trees life force. It includes our food, it, it our water. It, this is, this is what, we have to keep clear that that uh, like why do I unplug my everything at night when I go to sleep? Why do why should you unplug your router at night, uh, even though it's in a room across the hall or whatever? Uh, you 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 must have uh, when your when your body is resting. It would be best if you point your head north, and you have as as little electromagnetic going on around you as possible so that you can replenish those ether forces at night. It happens automatically. You don't have to, you know, make a decision to do it. You just have to make a decision to make the atmosphere of your sleep as friendly as possible to ether, not electromagnetics. So, so it's things like these where we get confused. Well, who gave us this concept? Nobody. Nobody gives us this concept. You learned it through Tai Chi. I learned it through Chinese medicine, uh, you know, because I went looking for yeah. uh, the old concepts because I knew that, you know, I mean, just look at Western medicine, Western medicine versus Chinese medicine. Give me a break. Right. Western 
Simpson is two or three hundred years old and is is Neanderthal. It's unbelievably Neanderthal. Chinese medicine is brilliant. It's five thousand years old, at least. So, uh, so yeah, there are people like us who do that, and then people can, you know, not everybody has to study it to that degree. But anyway, that I want to make that concept clear when we talk about the science is we are not just electromagnetic creatures. We are also etheric creatures. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, that's interesting. I, it, it, it just kind of brings up for me that this electromagnetic system, I mean, first of all, it's almost like, you know, that life force has a balance of the electromagnetism and the etheric body. And, and that's something that you get over and over again in these other cultures, cultures that uh, tend to promote freedom of choice and humanity and the organic body. Um, and then the, this electromagnetic sense, this like takeover, uh, it, it becomes, it's very mechanical. It's very robotic is what it seems to me. And it does, it, it seems to suck out the organic life force if you will, and then turns, and that's why I think maybe these controllers really like it so much because it 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 takes away that essence of of the of the free will aspect that the etheric body gives to us, and that connection that we have with the rest of the universe that makes us who we are as as independent individuals. I think that's what you need um, that etheric body to do to separate you from the collective, if you will, and then it. No, 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 it doesn't se separate you from the collective. Mm -hmm. Not, not, not the way I'm thinking. Uh, you, you, you will become the collective if they take your etheric forces away, like cancer, mm -hmm. cancer. Cancer's a great, uh, I mean, I think it was invented at Fort Dietrich myself, but, uh, I, it's a, uh, it's a collective and it will, uh, take the place of etheric health. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's its job and munch, 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 munch up all your organic matter. Uh, but the etheric is, is our unity with the planet. And so that's, uh, you know, if my planet's uh, etheric is being assaulted by electromagnetic weapons, uh, by, by weaponized everything that depends on electromagnetics, well, then my etheric is, is under assault as well. Sure. And that, that's ex exactly how it's going to work. Uh, so that could be the clarion call right there, is to protect this organic life. Um, you know, I mean, uh, we have people in the anti-chemtrails movement, the anti-geoengineering movement, who are pursuing Reich technology, and uh, and and I I I I recommend everyone to pursue low-tech solutions to uh, an over-electromagnetic environment that we must live in. You know, I wear a diode uh, that I uh, believe, uh, you know, I checked it out and it, it works. It has an anode and a cathode. And, and it all it does is breaks the field because I, I my whole town's Wi-Fi. Yeah. Everywhere I go, it's Wi-Fi. I don't have any choice. There's no choice. Uh, you know, so it breaks the field so that at least my soft tissue organs are not completely uh, uh, under assault when I walk into a, a shop. Or, or a library or something. I mean, and the worst routers, the worst electromagnetics are in our schools. I mean, how crazy is that? In Europe, in Northern Europe anyway, they've taken all the electromagnetic devices out of schools, libraries, civic buildings, churches. They know, and they're doing it. They're elite, and that's from their elite. Their elite care about their people in some ways that ours don't.
yeah, sad. Well, it is, it's pretty amazing. I mean, you know, and I, I feel like uh, all the stuff that we've talked about, it's, um, I hope that the listeners can, can kind of piece it all together. It's such a vast subject and I urge everyone to try to read more of your work and read more into this because, um, it, you know, it takes a little, a little while to really kind of start to get it and to start to understand this connection. Um, I'm glad that we kind of took it full circle and really talked about how that, you know, that because the human body has this system, the planet has this system, the universe has this system, and then these elite technologies, these electromagnetic technologies are, are tapping into that system uh, in order to really ultimately manipulate and control all of us. And the only way to protect yourself is to recognize, first of all, that that system exists within us <laughs> and then take steps to protect it and to strengthen it so that you can continue to have you know, your own awareness and make choices for yourselves and allow yourself to get manipulated and controlled by these processes. Um, and I know that it must be so hard for a lot of people to hear, you know, you'd think you're just talking about these weird cloud shapes in the sky. (laughs) (laughs) And then all of a sudden we're talking, yeah, (laughs) we're talking about this, uh, you know, total space fence lockdown and complete control over all humanity tapping into our etheric bodies, you know, (laughs) whoa, I'm sure it's a lot to take in, but, um, you know, it is, I, I think, um, I think really, really getting to an understanding that the elite have have that understanding that knowledge is power, and there is a whole universe out there that a lot of people in this culture uh, really don't understand and have been taught. Yeah. Oh, that's just a bunch of superstitious nonsense. Um, when actually, you know, it's the real reality, and the one that we've been getting fed is the one that is keeping us down. You know, keeping us tied to the to the television, keeping us tied to the cell phones. Uh, and keeping us going to work every day um, and barely paying off of our bills and thinking that it's the American dream, you know? <laughs> so it's, it is kind of hard to, to imagine that the, the plan uh, of the elite are so vast, but as you said, you know, they think really big and we have to be able to think big uh, in order to be able to keep up with them or else they're just going to keep rolling all over us. So all right, in order to defend against them, we have to think bigger. Yeah. Yeah. We- we do. Yeah, very true. All right. Well, if there's any other last words that you want to say in conclusion, or do you want to let people know uh, where they can find your information and, and get these books? And again, I really recommend it. I mean, I, I tried to I tried to make the conversation as linear and as simple as possible. Um, but I think that you better, <laughs> if you're listening, you better grab a couple of books and start to do some research for yourself so you can really tap into this because uh, there's a lot to it. So any any recommendations on where can we find yes, out more the, about you? Yes, the books are available on Amazon or at Feral House, um, and uh, I have a website, uh, ilanafreeland.com. It's in small small letters. Uh, it's constantly being worked on, and <laughs> who knows what phase it's at. I never have any time to go there. Mm-hmm. And then I have a Facebook, uh, a closed Facebook site that you have to ask permission to join. Uh, Ilana Freeland Chemtrails Harp. Or no, Ilana Freeland under an ionized sky. I think it's called now. Uh, And then uh, it's a lot of science, a lot of science, and uh, I try to keep it really narrow and and so that we're it's educational. Great, yeah, that's good. I'll look that up, and uh, I'll just remind everybody that if they appreciate this conversation and want to hear more like it, I would uh, appreciate it if you think about becoming a patron. That's 
patreon.com backslash the shift. You can join uh, my Facebook page where we have conversations and uh, I give out a daily news feed at the shift with Doug McKenty. Um, my Twitter account is at D McKenty and my own website is theshiftnow.com. So thank you so much again, Nilana, for being on the show. And I really appreciate all your work. And I hope that more and more people can start kind of waking up to this bigger picture that we're talking about, because it's very important, not only in terms of stopping these guys from doing what they're doing, but really in terms of learning how to protect ourselves and our families and communities from them just rolling this stuff out without us, you know, having a clue what's going on. So exactly. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me, Doug. Yep. Absolutely. Take care.